Welcome to episode 21 of About IBD. I'm Amber Dreska. Featured on this episode are Chantelle Bethay of Chronically Strong and Brooke Abbott of Crazy Creole Mommy Chronicles. This episode was recorded in April at Healthy Voices in Chicago. April is National Minority Health Awareness Month. Chantelle and Brooke are both African-American, and they agreed to discuss the topic with me because, first of all, we weren't really aware that it was a National Health Awareness Month. And second of all, because it's coming to the forefront that we're seeing the disparity in the IBD community and how minority populations are treated and discussed. And Chantelle and Brooke give a lot of their perspective on being diagnosed and being managed with inflammatory bowel disease while being African-American. Chantelle's from down south, so you will hear her lovely accent. I realize now I didn't ask them to identify themselves on the pod. Rookie mistake. And stick around for the end. I'm going to include some outtakes because we did an awful lot of laughing, even though it's a serious topic. Here we go. April is National Minority Health Awareness Month. So I have Brooke and Sean here to talk about some of the topics that are involved with minorities in inflammatory bowel disease. Can both of you explain to me a little bit how being a minority has affected how you've interacted with your healthcare providers or even with advocacy groups in the IBD space? I think being a minority, it's it's harder in all aspects of healthcare. I know when I go to the doctor, if I'm seeing a new doctor, sometimes I feel like they expect less of me, if that makes sense, or they don't think that I'm as educated about my disease or really anything as I am. Um, and I feel like that's common. I know that there was a thing going around on Twitter where a nurse shared a story about um, her patient and her patient was always being turned down for pain medication and it turned out that her patient was a nurse. Um, so, I mean, I feel like that's a really big issue, just always assuming the worst or these random stereotypes that I don't even know where they come from. I was diagnosed at 17, but I had been having issues years before that. And I just couldn't get a diagnosis because it seemed to me, looking back on it, that it was a mix between my insurance or my health care or the lack thereof, but also the fact that it's like, oh, little black girl just coming in complaining about pain. Like, mm-hmm. she's just being overdramatic or mm-hmm. she doesn't know what she's talking about. Yeah, I, I think that overall um, we have an issue with stereotypes in this country and that tends to plague um, people of color or people of a certain financial status um, in every aspect of life. But when it comes to health care, uh, because areas that are predominantly um, ha- have uh, more people of color in that particular area, they usually have um, less access to certain things, um, and that includes education on health. So you have just a cultural thing, too, where um, 
most, and I, I can only speak for the black community because that's how where I was brought up, but um, because we've had to take care of ourselves and our own for so long, um, a lot of black people tend to self-diagnose because you know that if you go to the doctor, you will get the well, you might not think, you might think that it's this, but really this is what it is. It's very patronizing. It's very condescending. Um, There's also a huge perception before you think of a patient, you think of a drug addict. So I know, I go into the ER knowing that before they they see me as a patient, um, they see someone who is a potential drug addict, which is hilarious um, because... That's not even remotely close to the case. Um, But I I think that it's just an overall arc of a theme here in the country where we treat people of color as uh, a different type of citizen. They, we somehow don't see them as educated. We are constantly surprised uh, when uh, someone of color accomplishes something or speaks about something or is articulate, articulate in, in, um, in their speech or uh, passionate about something outside of sports and music. Um, and that's unfortunate because it's, it's, it's truly, truly affecting uh, patients with chronic conditions, especially IBD. Um, no one for some reason thinks that people of color can have IBD. It is thought to be a, a disease that, um, is for the Jewish community only. And because I'm fair skin and, you know, I look biracial or whatever, uh, the first question out of everyone's mouth is, are you Jewish? I'm like, that's actually the one thing I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) I'm literally everything else but Jewish. Um, And so then you're fighting that. Then it's, well, are you sure that it's IBD and not IBS? Or uh, I was diagnosed with lupus a couple times. Um, I had someone tell me that um, I had sickle cell, which is not even remotely close to the symptoms that um, I was having, but they saw my color before they heard my symptoms. Um, So that's, you know, it doesn't matter how educated you are um, when it comes to your disease. we see stereotypes in this country. We don't just see color, we see stereotypes before we see anything else. And so how does this impact patients receiving care, especially when it sounds like even getting the initial diagnosis of IBD for a person, for a minority, is going to be challenging because they're going to diagnose you with all these other things that they are incorrectly associating with minority community before they're actually looking for IBD? Well, the impact is, is felt mostly in the areas where there are no IBD centers. So there are no resources in um, towns that are predominantly African-American, Latino, um, Native American, um, anyone who is of color, uh, that lives in, you know, the wrong side of the tracks in Detroit or Chicago or even in South LA. Um, I can't even tell you how the diff- the difference between me going to Cedar Sinai and going to USC is huge. 
but someone who lives in an area like Compton has, you know, USC available to them, but there are no IBD specialists there. Um, so the first thing that you're diag- diagnosed by, the first person that you're diagnosed by is probably a general GI person who doesn't think that you take your health care seriously, who's going to tell you that um, your diet is poor and that you probably have something like lupus or diabetes. Um, and you don't even know that <clears throat> IBD exists and you don't know that there is a center 20 minutes from USC to go to to get a proper diagnosis. Um, so that's that, that the lack of resources in uh, the communities that are predominantly of color is, is pretty big. And then I feel like because we are aware of these stereotypes and we're aware that we're treated differently, then we're also afraid to even take that initial step in going to the emergency room or go into the hospital because you know like I don't feel like dealing with this this type of person or I don't feel like being dismissed or you know there's like we talked about the financial situation I'm going to be paying a $300 copay for someone to send me home Mm -hmm. so there's that and then like you said the resources so I always say that I love my GI but I love my GI as a GI I'm aware that he's not an IBD specialist, and I'm also aware that if I saw an IBD specialist, then I'm sure it'd be miles different. Um, So yeah, I mean, I do wish we had more resources available and more resources aimed at us, if that makes sense. Oh yeah, I I mean, there's a a health fair that, the county does, Los Angeles County does, that is geared towards the African-American and Latino um, communities. <laughs> uh, they have a nutritionist there to talk about eating organic, even though there isn't a, um, a grocery store within miles of that area that carries organic vegetables and fruit, um, or really proper fruit and vegetables, but that's a totally different story. Um, And the only specialists that they have are uh, people from the uh, diabetes, um, asthma, heart disease, and um, and lupus areas. Um, There isn't a vast majority of specialists that go to these health fairs to talk about all the different things. I feel like if, you know, and, and I've done this, but it isn't received very well because there's nothing to back me up. If if you have a group of advocates that went into some of the some of these uh, black churches and and senior meetings and town halls and some of these uh, community groups and we talked about just just talked about our our um, symptoms and what we went through, maybe there will be a couple light bulbs going off. But what you have is you have a couple light bulbs going off and then it's, well, I don't know where I can go for that or I don't have the money to do that or they're not really going to, you know, take me serious. Or they could go all the way up. They could go all the way up to see that doctor. And then the doctor's like, oh, well, you know, you have pain. Go ahead and take a Tylenol. Um, It's interesting how... 
more women giving birth, more women of color giving birth, are turned down for pain medication post, uh, postpartum than women who are not of color. We have the same pain. We have all the same stuff. And I just don't, it's, it's really interesting. And what's frustrating is it's not talked about a lot because um, there is probably someone right now who can, who's listening to this, who's thinking that I'm blowing this out of proportion, that I'm making it about race, that I'm pulling the race card, that, um, I, that I misunderstood or that I uh, probably didn't articulate something well enough or that um, I wasn't listening or that I didn't try hard enough. I can't, it, it, is, it is incredibly frustrating that when it comes to a person of color trying to um, explain the acts of discrimination that they face almost on a daily basis, that a person has the audacity to look them in the face and say, that's not what you heard, or that's not what you saw. Um, our feelings are constantly minimized, constantly, especially in healthcare. When it comes to healthcare and politics, it, it's like we don't, we're being overdramatic. And I feel like that's why we become so closed off. Like yeah. we have these stereotypes against us that, oh, black women have attitudes or oh, yeah. they're mean or whatever, what have you. But it's almost like we have to close ourselves off from getting hurt because we know that if I bring up these issues, mm -hmm. if I open up to you, if I say what I'm going through, you're just going to either deflect or minimize it or what have you. Yeah. And it's hard to constantly go through that. And some people will say, oh, well, you should always talk about it. Well, when you've spent your life talking about it and also spent your life getting rejected, getting minimized, like being treated this way, I mean, eventually you get tired. You get tired. You're exhausted. And I always try and bring it up, um, the fact that when you see a lot of these um, ads or when you see a lot of um, information, it's not, uh, we're not represented, you know? And as soon as you bring that up, it's like, oh, well, well, why is that a big deal? Well, it's a big deal because you have a whole group of people that think that they can't get this disease because they don't see anybody with the disease. Um, I have really worked hard and, and I've asked constantly for groups that are associated with the IBD community, nonprofits, to focus their energy on uh, reaching out to people of color, to talk to publications that are, um, that have, you know, people of color as a demographic, because they don't know that this disease exists. And I guarantee you there are people who are living with this, that have been living with it for a long time, that think that they are, they just got to push through, that it's just, you know, it's just whatever, it's not that big of a deal. Um, and we've, as a community, as a whole, we've always had to make things not a big deal. We've always had to be on our P's and Q's and, you know, on top of our game with everything and also have had to not make a big deal out of the serious things, um, so that we aren't perceived as the angry black woman or, you know, 
being pulling the race card or being dramatic or whatever. I, so there's a lot of energy that goes into being <laughs> a black American. Um, right. It is. Uh, it's 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 frustrating. I think that we could change true health care. You know, we talk about coverage all the time and we're waiting for the politicians to give us coverage or to change the laws on coverage, but to change true health care, there are so many things that we could be doing that we're not doing. And one of them is going into communities that are predominantly black and Latino and Asian and and Native American and, and you know, all these these communities that are of color and literally talking to them about IBD and what it means and what it feels like and how to maneuver the disease within their culture. That's a huge thing too, you know? I, I mean, I make non-spicy Creole food. A lot of my cousins don't like it. <laughs> I get it. But that's how I have learned how to maneuver in my culture. I've learned how to normalize IBD in my family because it affects the whole family. It will affect my whole community. And it's important um, because my culture is important to me. My food's important to me. My way of celebrating holidays is important to me. But so is my health, and they should, they should all be blended together. But I've, I've been fortunate enough to be able to have the resources to be able to do these things. And a lot of people just don't have that support. I mean, can you imagine being at someone's, like, family reunion or cookout and being like, oh, you know what, I can't really have your potato salad because right. it's got such and such in it. And what's the, what's the first reaction that you think someone's cousin or aunt's gonna give you right like you're bougie <laughs> <laughs> oh my god <laughs> boy stop <laughs> but that's because that information is not available and so you don't have that support you know we already don't have enough support in ibd as a whole but when you start breaking it down into these subdivisions um it's it's really uh, it's really frustrating. Um, I always say it's easier to be vegan in the black community than it is to have IPT. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's funny because like going back to representation, I sat on a board, and the research has already been released now. But they surveyed um, a bunch of IBD patients. I forget how many. And I was the only black person on this board. And 2% of the people surveyed were African-American. And I'm like, so you want me to review the, am I like representing the 2%? Because I feel like you, yeah, like oh, yeah. you don't even necessarily need me because you didn't reach out to my community. And that's the other thing. It's, I will get the pushback. Well, we don't have a lot of data on patients with IBD. You're but are you reaching out? Yeah, we're here. We're definitely here. <laughs> I got a cousin that has Crohn's. Yeah. I mean, that's, you know, two black people in, she's my first cousin, that's two black people in one immediate family. So right. I don't understand. We're, we're definitely here. Um, we just don't know that we're here. A lot of black people don't know that they have IBD. 
I mean, for a long time, they thought I had lupus. Yeah. I joke around a lot. Um, and I think that's just another defense mechanism that I have found um, in most black families is, you know, you joke around a lot. You make, you make fun of a lot of things. And you tease each other a lot. Um, but this is a a serious problem that is plaguing our community that can be fixed, but nobody is stepping up to fix it. This whole health month, I haven't seen, first of all, I think one, one group reached out to me and they didn't do anything. I'm there, I'm here, I'm there, you know? You, you have publications who aren't really promoting it because we don't really talk about health in our community, but we don't talk about health in our community because the health community doesn't take us serious. So why would we talk about something that we're just gonna get, you know, the, the brush off with? That, that is a waste of time. We've got other things to focus on, but you know, education, keeping our children alive, police brutality, racism at work, the uh, equal pay for, for women. I mean, we've got all these other issues that it is perceived that we can take care of our health on our own. And, uh, and we shouldn't have to because we're Americans. It's such a complex and multifaceted problem that we're facing. And it seems overwhelming. But what are some things that you would like to see from the healthcare community or from advocacy groups that can help us start getting in the right direction? Well, the first thing, first thing is um, utilize your advocates of color. You have people out here uh, like Sean and myself who are sharing our stories, being public, putting ourselves out there. Um, use us to get the word out, to speak to um, community leaders. Um, you have the Congressional Black Caucus who are representatives. They are a group of black representatives uh, in Congress who are able to reach their constituents. Most of them are Congress people, so they are they have a personal relationship with their districts. You have um, the Latino Congressional Congress group that are also mostly made up of um, congressional leaders who have a close relationship with their constituents. Why aren't you holding town hall meetings with these leaders? Why aren't you holding meetups with some of these advocates in different cities? I would love to see meetups. I would love to see um, information being passed out in high schools. I would love to see resources that help mothers of color get their children in the 504s. Because let me tell you, having a child of color in public school and in private school too, but particularly in public school, is one of the most difficult things to go through as a parent because everything that they do is questioned. Are you sure they're that smart? Are you sure that they really have special needs? Are you sure that they need this? Are you sure that this is that? Um, 
I feel like they might be this, I feel like they might be that. So the resources of helping to get a 504 or an IEP, um, all of these different resources would be great to have a backup from an, a, a nonprofit. Um, having uh, a, a nutritionist or actually a GI dietitian go around to some of these churches and um, community uh, community centers to, to have a talk about the things that they can do at home to help because when you have IBD, you know, there's so many different things, but most people think that the diet will help cure it. Well, for some people, a diet can actually help change some of their symptoms. So why not give them some of those resources? Most people think when they think of a healthy diet, they think of brown rice and kale and all of these things, chia seeds. Well, I could tell you right now, someone in Compton can't afford or will not buy any of that stuff. And guess what? A person with IBD shouldn't be eating it in the first place. So why not have someone go to a community center in in that particular area and talk about the things that they can eat within the culture of of their food within their food culture and what they can find at a grocery store um reach out to some of these mom bloggers who have that you know there's mocha moms and there's the black bloggers there's um we all grow Latina. There's all these moms that have a powerful voice that you can literally say, hey, can you do a write-up about IBD? They, these moms who read them, trust them. Why not reach out to some of these publications like Ebony that's been around for forever? Well, Ebony's out now. Essence is still yeah. Essence is still around. You've got um, BET. You've got all these, uh, some of these black celebrities that can sit up and talk about, you know, IBD. I, for one, my best friend, my big sister, is an actress. She has been through hell and high water with me with this disease. Not one nonprofit has reached out to her to say, hey, do you want to talk about this? Can you use your voice? She's willing to do it, but no one's approached her. I'm sure that someone like Holly Robinson P., who gives her voice to autism all the time, someone approached them and said, hey, I know that you how you know someone with IBD, can you talk about that? She would be willing to do it, but no one's approached. So that use all the resources that you would use for cancer or um, AIDS or all of the other IBD patients. Use the same resources for, for all your Cedars-Sinai folks. Use them at USC. Um, I mean, all of that was great. Like even the, I was gonna mention that about the food and healthy eating and everything you have to kind of look at your audience. If your audience is not in the financial bracket of what you're preaching about, then that's not, I know in my house, if you say Publix, we're gonna be like, oh, you fancy. Like, you went to Publix today. (laughs) So, I mean, like, Food Line, you can go to Food Line and still get healthy things. So why don't we have somebody come in and talk about healthy shopping at Food Line or even hey, you can sponsor a YouTube video of someone literally going into Food Lion and buying the things that we can eat mm-hmm. or that, you know, even a healthy person can eat. So, I mean, just simple things. Like, I 
I feel like if you start there, then you'll already see a huge change mm-hmm. and people already wanting to get involved. If you tell me something that I feel like actually applies to me, that's when I'll start listening mm-hmm. and I'll start digging deeper and wanting more. Um, and then just normalizing being black and normalizing being a minority. Oh, just put our pictures please. beside the white people who are advertising whatever you're advertising. Like if I see myself, then I'm more likely to connect with the brand. But also like the research, if you're doing a survey and you see that there's only 2% of African-Americans that you have surveyed, mm-hmm. Why don't you dig deeper and say, hey, like that would trigger me. Two percent. Right. More black people have this. Right. Let me go to this community and see what's going on. And like you say that you put this survey in doctor's offices. So why not tell the doctor, hey, encourage your black patients, encourage your Latino patients to do this. Right. Um, like simple things things that require not even that much effort I feel like we don't well I feel like we don't ask for much at all no like just to be treated as everyone else why is that right there you you said normalize being black why are we so different we're really not we're really not we all want the same things for our families for you know our futures we all want good health let let me just Let me just put this out there. Black people like being healthy. (laughs) I just, I feel like I have to say it because, you know, I actually one time had someone say to me that I probably have IBD because of the way that black people eat. And you know what's funny? Most black folks that I grew up around grew their own vegetables and had their, like, the first person I knew that bought organic chickens was my grandmother. Like, what? And and I also want to say, because we've been talking a lot about minorities that are in financial situations and um, poor communities. Not all black folks and not all Latino folks are poor. Uh, even the middle class and upper middle class and the one percenters who are of color still face health discrimination all the time, all the time. If they, you know, people talk about Oprah and her up and down weight all the time and would joke about it. She has a thyroid issue. She, She has a health problem and it should be taken seriously. It was very easy to make fun of her and how she handles her weight and Oh, you know, and the the stereotypes of the uh, of the heavy set black woman, and uh, I'm saying all this, and I'm just I'm 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 finding myself getting frustrated because it needs to stop. Yeah, it needs to stop. I also wish that there was like a hap- a happy median in how healthcare providers address us. Because mm. I don't know if you've noticed this, but it's either they over-explain <laughs> or they under, like they don't do anything or at all. Or nothing at all. So like I've had doctors to like come in, like the other day my doctor was explaining a fistula to me and like I love him to death, but I'm like, are you kidding? Like I had it two years, I had one two years ago, like why mm. are we talking about it again? Yeah. yeah. 
<laughs> so I started explaining it back. He's like, oh, yeah, that's what it is. I'm like, okay, cool. So, or, oh, you know. Right. Like, oh. Yeah, yeah I okay. do. I know a little bit. Or if you start getting upset. Like, I was in the hospital, and it, they had done a lot of testing, and I was like, I just don't think that I need a third CT scan. Right. And as I'm talking, the nurse looks at me, and he goes, Okay, okay. Let's just be calm here because I can't understand you if you're hollering. And I was like, I'm honey, I haven't even begun to start hollering. But if you if you would like to and see that's that's where it gets it gets annoying because before you can even be n- normal in your frustration, you are already boxed into a stereotype of well, we know where this is going. And so then they stop listening. So I've always been told you have to be calm. Otherwise, no one will hear you. But I see other women going absolutely insane and are still being heard. I see men who are not of color going insane, not even making sense and still being heard and still being accommodated. But if I show a normal level of frustration because I'm tired, I don't feel well, all of these normal human traits, I am somehow villainized quicker than somebody else. Well, we don't have permission to feel oh, at all. No, we at all. we can't have feelings about anything. And if we do, then either oh, yeah. it's the like, well, that's not just for black people because you know sometimes, or it's just like completely rejected. It's always rejected. I so. mean, we we saw it was magnified the the absolute discrimination against black women was magnified for the eight years that Michelle Obama lived in the White House. Right. They yelled at her for having a sleeveless dress for her official uh, official picture. It's just like, really? Really? She's got really fantastic arms. Like, I love her arms. I want to be able to wear sleeveless shirts like that. That's amazing. But it's it's that kind of nitpicking. You know what I'm saying? That those are the... Instead of seeing someone who was a young woman with children who clearly works out all the time and is a healthy person who is trying to transition and, and uh, give information about clean eating and all of it they didn't see any of that they saw someone who did something that made them uncomfortable um they saw someone who got upset at a certain moment and then she turned into a rager um it's just it happens so often and it's it's bleeding over into healthcare, and it's dangerous when it bleeds over into healthcare. we saw the whole thing with you know serena williams and and how deadly that was and you know this isn't this isn't a one-time thing it it just it isn't um you know the story of me almost getting the morphine that I'm allergic to because people don't take you serious when you say things like I can't have morphine but because I know that I can have dilated I am automatically a drug addict I'm just knowledgeable and I've been paying attention to the 25 thousand times that I've been in the ER of how they give me my pain medication to keep me from upchucking everything that I kind of ate earlier that day. I don't even want to be here. 
it has taken me three days to get here because I didn't want to come to the ER, because I have things to do, because I don't like the way the drugs make me feel, because I don't like being tied to a hospital bed, because I actually don't like Dilaudid at all. But I gotta have it because if I stay in pain for, you know, God knows how long, I'm not gonna rest and my body won't rejuvenate and downward spiral, but I, um, I don't see it getting any better. Um, I had hopes of when I heard of this National Health, Minority Health Awareness Month, that there would be uh, something positive and life-changing coming from this. But when you have nonprofits that aren't even addressing it, um, that aren't providing the resources, when you're getting feedback like, we don't have the resources available to uh, do these small Twitter chats, Snapchat ads, community, you know, get-togethers. Send me out. I will go to every black church in Los Angeles. I have no problem with that. If that's what it's going to take to change some stuff, don't send me to Washington then. Send me to every single black church in LA County. I will be there on Sunday with a table. I will sit, stand up at the pulpit. I will talk to them as a person from the community. This is what is plaguing our community. This is how we can help each other. This is the, here are the resources that you need. Let me help you. What is so hard about that? We're here. I don't know what's so hard about that. I honestly don't. I know I'm so humbled by the two of you. And I'm so grateful that you're able to sit down with me and share some of your experience. I can't tell you how much it means. And I know now you follow black women. You do. And on that note, I want you to tell everybody where they can follow you because everybody needs to know what you're up to and how we can all participate in making change. I am, um, my site is chronicallystrong.com and you can find me on social media at, well on Instagram it's chronicallystrongblog and then everything else is just chronicallystrong. I'm a little more complicated. <laughs> yes. I remember from the last podcast with you. <laughs> uh, you can find me at crazycreolmommy.com, crazycreolmama on Instagram, crazycreolmommy without the A and the crazy on Twitter. And uh, I think it's just crazycreolmommy everywhere else. Um, I also started a thing with Amber called IBD Moms. It's for moms with IBD. It's a great little space. We'll be talking about all things mom, not just IBD related, but literally everything. Um, well, I guess it's all IBD related. Uh, you know, the proper strollers, uh, where, what kind of activities that are great and safe for moms with IBD, uh, how to pick a GI, all, all those, all those really great things. And and we'll definitely be addressing um, moms of color. Um, with that group and you can find IBD moms everywhere uh, we've got a great little event happening this Friday moms get out will be um, on Facebook live I think Saturday and uh, what else we got going on um, the website will drop in June um, so that's where you can find us
Thanks, you guys. I really appreciate it. Let's have a great meeting. Our meeting hasn't even started yet. Healthy Voices. I just quickly wanted to say thanks, Amber, for having us because um, I think that you are probably one of three sites that actually have addressed this not being a minority site. Um, you are the only non-minority site exclusively that has addressed um, this issue this month, and I appreciate that. And uh, you go, girl. I know. Thank you. Yeah. And it was her idea, too. Yeah, it was. I, yeah, I wasn't I even thinking about thing. it. I was like, oh, I wasn't, good idea. I wasn't going to bring the black thing, too, about IDD. <laughs> I, I, I love that because it's like, you know, um, I listened to a podcast called Pod Save the People that I love that um, is run by African-American activists. And one of them said he was having a conversation and somebody said to him, why you got to make everything about race? And he said, I would love to not make everything about race. The world is making everything about mm -hmm. race. Mm -hmm. And that, that hit me so hard. And um, the disparities in the IBD community uh, for um, minority populations and for women are astounding and upsetting and disgusting. This is... This is something that I can do. So, thanks. Thank you. All right. I just want to clap, but I know that, that would mess up the audience. <laughs> so I'm not going to do it. Let's fake do clap. Do the fake clap. clap. Okay. <laughs> thanks, you guys. <laughs>